Hey, y'all. Welcome to Marty Smith's America. This is volume 88, Michael Irvin, the Playmaker edition. And our guest today was most certainly a playmaker for the Boston Red Sox. Won a couple World Series, won a gold glove, a couple all-star game appearances, former first baseman and third baseman, Kevin Euclid. And this is a tremendous conversation. He tells stories that just made Travis and I laugh out loud about his brother-in-law, Tom Brady. I found out about 20 minutes ago that his brother-in-law is Tom Brady. And he tells some really funny stories about about Tom and, and their time together as a family. He shares his passion for baseball. And he touches on this controversy with the Houston Astros. Of course, they were stealing signs uh, during their World Series run. And that's a huge story throughout sport right now. And the fallout has been dramatic. So we touched on all kinds of different things with Uke. And what an amazing conversation. And the man knows how to brew some cold beer. We get into that too. Before we get to Kevin, I want to make sure I remind you guys of something very important. Hiring can be challenging. But there's one place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart. And growing businesses connect to qualified candidates. Cafe Altura's COO, Dylan Miskowitz, experienced how challenging hiring can be after unsuccessfully searching for a director of coffee for his organic coffee company. Then he switched to ZipRecruiter and saw an immediate difference. And so can you by signing up for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Marty. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. And its technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job so you get qualified candidates immediately. In fact, after posting his job to ZipRecruiter, Dylan said he was amazed by how quickly great candidates were applying and found his new director of coffee in a matter of days. With results like that, it's no wonder four of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter have a quality candidate within the very first day. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash Marty. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash M-A-R-T-Y. As I said, this is a really interesting, wide-ranging conversation with with Uke. I didn't know what to expect. I had a couple topics I wanted to hit on. He had a great career in Major League Baseball. He's a legend in Boston, and and if anywhere – loves their sports teams it's the new england area so what's it like to be what's it like to be a legend in new england what's it like to retire and know that your passion is brewing cold beer like travis and i will someday when we're in a rocking chair we still need to figure out when we're going to get your uh, beer started yeah and who's going to brew it we've got a few options now that's you know we've had a few brewers on and you know chipper has you know his connections so we've got to figure this out we do have to figure this out, man, like fast. We need to go ahead and get on with the Marty Party IPA, or I guess the Marty Party Red Ale, whatever. Yeah. We'll figure it out. But I, uh, y'all are going to love this conversation. I certainly did. And I'm telling you, it goes down some rabbit holes I wasn't expecting, which is what I love. And if you guys love conversations that meander down the oddest rabbit holes known to man, make sure you check out Stupidity. My man, Stu Gotts the captain of the Levitard and Friends podcast network. He goes down the craziest avenues with the funniest guests in all of the podcasting landscape. Did you like that, Travis? That was pretty good, right? Speaking of the playmaker, he saw Michael Irvin at the Super Bowl and it was in their latest podcast. 
there's audio of him just giving Michael Irvin the biggest bear hug you could possibly ever have. And it's just the most Stugatz thing ever just to put the audio of a hug in the podcast. He's the playmaker. Dude. So, on that note, without further ado, here's Marty Smith's America, Volume 88, The Playmaker, with former Major League Baseball star Kevin Euclid. It is a great pleasure to... Welcome to the Marty Smith's America podcast. Kevin, if I get these statistics wrong, you may correct me. Three-time Major League Baseball All-Star, two-time World Series champion, gold glove first baseman, Boston legend, brewer of potent, frothy, delectable California hops and barley. How's that? Beautiful. Especially the ending. The ending is where it's at, man. We're going to get into cold beer because there's very few topics on the planet that I enjoy more than that, but... Before we get to uh, your entrepreneurial spirit, I want to talk a little ball. Starting in New England, I mean, it's such a sports-crazed region that adores its athletes. What's it like to be a championship athlete in that region? Well, you know, when you're in your 20s and you're you're going through just such a crazy phase of your life, on top of it of being a local celebrity, 1 through 25, we always said that in Boston, it doesn't matter if you're the 25th man on that team and you get – 10 at-bats or you're the guy that has 600 at-bats a year, you become an instant celebrity in that town. And uh, it's it's a lot of fun. It's, it's a lot of adrenaline. Uh, the fans are, are wild. They get into it. They hold you accountable. I think that's what I love most about playing in Boston. It, it wasn't easy at times, like when you're losing, but the greatest thing I always loved was the accountability. I, I always try to hold myself accountable and uh, got mad at myself daily. Uh, when I got out, because I knew there was something I could do differently, but that's how that town operates, and, and it was a lot of fun playing there. But you know, not it's not for every it's not for every athlete. Uh, some athletes don't like that pressure as much. How thick does your skin have to be up there? Uh, you got to grow. You got to you got to grow some <laughs> thick skin. You got to <laughs> you got to adapt, and you also got to be uh, deaf at times. You gotta you gotta let the noise uh, get away because sometimes the noise will be created in, in certain ways and uh the radio airwaves you know put out a lot of stuff so you, you gotta you, you gotta also you know keep blind and deaf you don't want to read much you don't want to hear much you just want to focus on the task at hand and uh, the players that do that the best usually tend to have the best experiences in boston because of that dynamic and the celebrity that comes with being on the red sox or the patriots you guys are the celebrities which of your teammates was the most famous and least able to have a regular dude life? I was very fortunate to play with Pedro. Uh, I played with uh, Nomar a little bit, uh, just a very brief moment, and he was a legend and didn't have much of a life. And then, you know, Big Poppy. I think Big Poppy sure. uh, was probably the biggest legend. But Big Poppy was good with it. I think that's the difference is some guys uh, – I had a hard time. I enjoyed the first pitch, the last pitch, and the adrenaline and the energy of the fans, but – I never played baseball because I wanted to be a celebrity. And Big Poppy was so good at being a celebrity. And still to this day, he handles it so well. Uh, Kevin Millar was another guy that handled being a celebrity real well. And that's why he's on the airways as we speak. You know, those guys, like, they were really good with it. Pedro was good with it. And they adapted to it. But we had, we had a few ball players that struggled with that kind of lifestyle. They, they played baseball because they loved it. And, uh, you know, the fame that came with it was not – it was kind of hard at times to deal with. When you guys won the World Series, Boston was off its hinges, man. And we're talking duck boats. You guys had wild personalities 
on those rosters. What's your best World Series party story? Oh, wow. That's suitable uh, well, for this platform. <laughs> yeah. Well, luckily, I, you know, I, I was lucky to play with a lot. Yeah, like you said, we had a lot of personalities. I was so fortunate. That was my rookie season, 04. And the amount of veterans and leaders and, and personalities. The, the personalities, what I, I picked up the most was not everyone's going to get along. Uh, they're going to be strong personalities, but the personalities have to come together for one cause, and that's to win a ball game. And that's what we had. We had a really good group of guys that went out there, played the game hard, played together, you know, and then the personalities, you know, they conflicted at times. It's like a, it's like a family, you know, brothers fight, you know, get into things, get into arguments. But you got to hug it out and you got to, you know, go out there and, you know, try to kick the other team's, you know, butt. So, the best, I mean, for me, it was after the World Series when we won at 04 in St. Louis. Uh, the joke was they ran out of beer. And we're talking about this is Budweiser territory in St. Louis, Missouri. And we they ran out of beer at the ballpark. And all I remember was I was a rookie. And as a rookie, you got to go get the beer. And I at the hotel, I, I called down. I was like, I need all these cases of beer, blah, 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 And because uh, we got on the flight. And so I just ordered about five cases of uh, Budweiser and Bud Light. And I brought them on the bus. And I'll never forget, like, trying to get all my luggage, trying to get all this beer. <laughs> and man, we that party just kept going uh, all night long, and we we got back to to Boston, and a lot of guys were in uh, were tough shape. But we uh, going through that town, it was like the YouTube video where the streets have no name, and everyone gets out of their cars. <laughs> That's what happened that day, and everyone got out of their cars. Construction workers walked to the edge of the buildings they were working on and cheered us on, and I think that was probably the best. I mean, that party was just just seeing the fans and how they lit up. That that was the best party for me. So y'all are like Bono and the Edge on top of that, like brew, what, what the bar or whatever. The I vaguely remember this video you're referencing. They got out. They were on top of a store, right? And everybody was stopping their car. Yeah, I think they're on like the path, like the underpass. But everyone got out of their cars and they started walking. And yeah, it was just like this. You know, it, it was just this amazing, amazing feeling where everyone just because the traffic stopped, the cops stopped the traffic, and. Everyone got out of their cars and were cheering. Some people got on top of their cars and were going nuts. And just, just to see the the admiration and love for what we did, it, it, it was really, really cool. And, you know, luckily we did it again in 07, uh, but 04 was just epic. On that same note, individually, when you've spent your whole life dreaming, you've spent your whole life working, honing your craft, and then you're standing on the mountaintop, those 25 guys. What's the mountaintop feel like? Doesn't feel like your feet are on the ground. The euphoria just hits, and you're hugging each other, and you know you, you just don't feel like you're on the ground. You, you just feel like you're elevated, and you're, you know, if you're, I'm six foot. I felt like I was seven foot that day. And three, you know, I, I felt like an offensive tackle that just ran a four seven at the combine uh, <laughs> for reference. <laughs> and I thought, you know, I was going to get that thirty million dollar contract in the draft. Uh, so that's, that's how I felt. And that's how other guys feel. You just, you, it's the euphoria. It's, it's, it's everything you dreamed of and then you reach it. And then the, the greatest thing we had though, too, was we had guys that we reached that pinnacle, but we're like, we're not satisfied enough. We want to feel this all the time. And that's what separates uh, the great teams from the average teams is, is not being satisfied and, and wanting that euphoria all the time. And 
I was very fortunate that, like I said, in 07, we got to, to revisit that and have that feeling again. And uh, it's just a special thing, and it takes a lot of special ball players that come together at the right time to do that. Speaking of the unwillingness to settle and always chasing the mountaintop, your brother-in-law has been on the mountaintop a lot. I just learned like an hour ago that Tom Brady is your brother-in-law. Dude, I've, yeah. I've watched you forever, and I never knew this <laughs> until right on the where in the hell I've been, but this is a revelatory to me. It's a great thing you didn't know because I always love when people don't know. It's a great thing. I'm going to guess that Loma Cold Beer is probably not on the TB12 plan. Uh, no, he, he's actually, yeah, so it's definitely, you know, Tommy's not a huge uh, beer drinker. He's definitely had Loma Brewing Company beer. Uh, he's, he's definitely like the, uh, peas and IPA. Uh, he's a, he, he's a Sierra Nevada. He always liked Sierra Nevada pale ale, but he's more of a tequila guy now. So he'll have his margarita here and there and, and enjoy it. But, uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's one of those guys that everyone, you know, thinks that every, he never cheats on his diet. Uh, but he does. I mean, he, he loves ice cream, so he'll have ice cream here and there. But he's just smarter than us all. When he has that, he works extra hard the next day. Uh, I'm going to presume he's a Don Julio guy? Uh, well, I think I, well, Casa Amigos, I know, through oh, okay. some of his buddies. I know he was with Casa Amigos and stuff like that. But I don't want to endorse any product that he might not endorse. So <laughs> Understood. Uh, Understood. Have you ever dabbled in the TB12 diet? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've looked at it. Uh, I mean, well, every time we go, you know, to, to Boston or we go on a, a, you know, if we go to uh, a place as a family and we go on vacation, there's usually a, like a cook or something that cooks up some healthy stuff. So, yeah, I mean, that's the best part is, you know, there's always a cook that's always cooking up these amazing meals that are healthy. So uh, for, the, for that time period, I definitely am on the diet, but the only problem is we're on vacation. I'm definitely cheating because I'm definitely having a beer or two. So I can't fully commit to it. I'm an 80-20 guy. I'm a B guy with diet. I believe 80% healthy, 20% not healthy. Well, I mean, look, if, if you don't have beer in your diet, then, then we need to have a conversation because, yeah. as you know, wasn't it Ben Franklin who stated some great philosophical statement about, you know, if God's proof, the proof that God loves us is beer, something that along those lines? That is correct. That when is, you when you signed with the Red Sox, I read that you made the life changing sum of twelve thousand dollars. And your old man's response to this was, "Hell, he'd have played for a six pack of beer." That yeah. defines for me your adoration for beer. So, <laughs> what is your response to your father's thought there? He's a hundred percent accurate. You know, <laughs> I I, I love playing baseball. Um, it, it was something that. It, it didn't come easy in a lot of ways because I got told a lot that, you know, you're too fat or you're too unorthodox or you're too this, you can't do that. And I just kept my head down and I just kept playing it because I loved it. And I, and I put up numbers and I, and I was playing against these other guys that were, you know, getting all this accolades and baseball America and drafted. And I'm like, well, man, I can compete with these guys on the field. And my whole thing was, I just love competing. I'm a, you know, that's where me and Tommy, you know, share the same wavelength as we're just guys who got overlooked and we love to compete. You know, no matter what we do, we try to be the best at what we do. Um, and that's how I, and my attitude was, was I was just always trying to get better. I was always trying to learn more about the game. How, how can I learn more? How can I get my, you know, self in a better position to field a ground ball? How can I run the bases better? How can I help my team win? Because I hate losing. So I want to be the best I can be every single day. And that's, and that's basically what I did 
And I learned that you can't control certain things. So for me, I just kept putting my head down, playing as hard as I could, learning the game. And I would have played for a six-pack of beer because just the opportunity to play the game, you know, in pro ball for 144 games in the minor leagues, that was, that was epic to me. And if I can make it to, you know, the dream of Major League Baseball, that's, even, that's just icing on top of the cake. So it was a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, $12,000 was probably more than I ever thought I'd make in the draft. But uh, the six-pack would have sufficed too. How many that competitive nature intrigues me because I think the great ones are that way. How many guys that you met or competed against or played with shared that level of competitive nature that you had? The guys that make it to the major leagues, you either have super talent or you have super passion and love for the game. There's not a lot of in between. You definitely have talent and, and you know to make it. Uh, you got to be one of the better players when you're growing up and into college. But guys grow into it. You know the guys go into their bodies late. Some guys don't peak, and you know, with, with their bodies. I mean, uh, until college, they don't grow into their bodies. And maybe their junior year. So, I always say that a love and a passion for the game far outweighs anything. Because if you don't love it, and if you don't want to get better, and if you don't want to learn more every single day, you're, you're going to plateau. You know, you're, you're going to plateau at some point. And I was very lucky. I mean, my, my, my the guy right next to me every day, Dustin Madroya, we fed off each other. You know, we were just two scrapping dudes that just wanted to out-grit the other team every day. And I'm a firm believer as a guy that evaluates a little bit and loves the game, I look for ball players. Yeah, it's great that a guy's 6'3", 200 pounds, and looks great in a uniform, but I don't care what you look in a uniform. I like your attitude on the field and your ability to grow. Where's Chris Bryant fit in that equation? Chris, well, Chris Bryant looks sexy in a uniform, so, you know, he looks sexy in the uniform, but he also plays the game hard. If you ever watch him play, he runs, out ground balls, he plays the game hard, and he's just fun to watch. But, yeah, he, he trumps us because he's, he's sexy. I mean, he's 6'6", <laughs> you know, looks good, got those, those, those eyes, and, you know, he, he just looks better than us. <laughs> you ever compete against Brady in anything? Yeah. Ping we pong, pool, ping bowling? Pong, yeah. We played ping pong, we played pool. Uh, we yeah. I tell the I tell the funny story. We all raced uh, the one time, and uh, my God, paint that picture for me. What what I need yeah. to hear about this race. So we were in Montana. Uh, we go as a family, and I was actually throwing. I was pitching to I, I forget if it was Benny or Jack, uh, Tommy's son, my my nephew, and we're like just throwing the ball and hitting. And then all of a sudden, behind me, I mean. Tommy and his sisters and niece, everyone's so competitive. Uh, I think a lot of people saw a dodgeball at the same place in Montana where that got posted online about how competitive we are. And so they all start sprinting and running, and they're racing. I'm like, oh, man, I got to get in on this. So <laughs> I got in on the race, and I won. And, uh, you know, to make myself feel better. I, I just had to feel better that, you know, Tommy's a way better athlete <laughs> and, Hall of, you know, future Hall of Famer, one of the best quarterbacks ever to play. But, I felt like if I can win this race, it's going to make me feel better that day. Was he pissed? No, no. He, <laughs> he knows that speed is not his, you know. He, he, <laughs> he, is totally, he is totally fine with not being a speedster. He, he'd rather sit in that pocket and throw all day and, you know, throw for 400 yards than try to run for 100. So you're a brewer of craft beer, uh, Loma Brewing Company out in California, How'd that come to be? Yeah, so 
I'm not a brewer. I, I always tell people I brewed one time, and I'll, I'll brew a little bit in the future. But I like to give all my – I hire people. You know, I, I've learned in my life that baseball is my best thing. <laughs> I have a Ph.D. <laughs> in baseball. I let the Ph.D.s and brewers and do all that. But, you know, my passion came from craft beer was when I was playing and traveling around the country. When you have an adrenaline rush game, you, it's hard to come down from it. So, you know, beer and baseball has been around for a long time. So, you know, usually after a game, it's like the guys sit around, like we'll go and have a beer because you need to, you need to, you know, compress, you know, decompress and, and just relax so you can go to bed because you're, you're doing this again the next day. So I discovered, you know, Sierra Nevada at some point, I was like, wow, this is a great beer, great tasting. And then after that, I was like, I want to try more of this craft beer. So traveling around the country, I found all these great craft beer places and would go and just try and sample. And I was like, wow, this is, this is awesome. And I saw the trajectory of the craft beer business. I said, you know what? When I'm done playing, what am I going to do in life? I said, well, I have a passion for craft beer. I love it. Maybe I just open up a brewery. So I talked with a lot of uh, mentors within the brewing world. Uh, so Harpoon Brewing Company was big. Um, and being a mentor, uh, had charity events there, learned a lot about it. Dan Canary, the owner, helped me with it. And so I decided, hey, I'm going to go on this adventure and get in the craft beer world. How often are you there at the brewery, at the office? What's your role? Uh, so I'm an owner-operator. I oversee things. Uh, I, I'm here Monday through Friday. Uh, I'm Actually, there's not a day that doesn't go by that I don't come in because we have a coffee bar that's open and, I also have a Loma Coffee Company uh, that we that we've contract roasted and started, and now our uh, facility is going to be open uh, hopefully in two months in uh, Portland, Oregon. But I'm a coffee lover too, so I I got to get my coffee in the morning. So I'm here every day. But Monday through Friday, I'm here usually around eight to four, uh, just overseeing things, talking to guests uh, that come in, our regulars, and just trying to also plan our future. We're uh, looking to open up a bigger brewery and trying to plan that. So uh, I, I just, I oversee, and but my team is everything. I got a great group of people that know what they're doing and do a great job of running this place. What's the best tasting beer you've ever had, even if it's not your own? <laughs> well, I got to always say my own. Of course, of course you do, yeah. man. You got to market. I'm biased. Yeah, I'm biased. So, uh, you know, we, we just had a beer come out that I thought was just amazing. Uh, we keep, you know, growing, but, you know, I, I give credit. Uh, like Harpoon Brewing Company has a winter ale called uh, Winter Warmer. Uh, it's one of my favorite beers uh, around the holiday season. Can't drink more than like one, but I love that beer. Uh, there's a brewery, Society Brewing Company in San Diego. I'm a huge fan of. Uh, so I give love to everyone because that's what's great about the craft beer world too, and why I got into it is you're competing, but you're not. People share ideas. They collaborate on beers together they share information and it's just this fun loving group of people that are just trying to come up with great beers so everyone can come around and sit and talk about it and that's what i love most when guys are done playing it's always interesting to me that certainly you miss the competition you you miss that that moment where everything you've worked for comes together however it's often the relationships whether that's clubhouse guys, management, manager, teammates, whomever that is in the organizations that you miss the most. And you talking about having those post-game clubhouse beers 
kind of put me in that mindset. Who, who's the most interesting person you shared a post-game clubhouse beer with? Might not have even been someone in the organization, maybe a guest. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. Uh, I'd have to say my favorite person to go share a beer with every night would be Sean Casey, hands down. Uh, He's funny, right? We, we, oh, Sean's just super funny. We're both Midwest guys. He's from Pittsburgh. I'm from Cincinnati. So, we, you know, we, 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 we go back and forth to Steelers, Bengals, joking around. But he was also a Cincinnati Red. He's the mayor of Cincinnati. So we share a lot of, uh, you know, uh, Skyline Chili stories and crushing all those. And he's just, he's just a genuine guy that really loves people, that is a really good person. And that's everything I care about in life. I don't care how much money you made. I don't care how many awards you've, you know, racked up. I just like good people that have the good morals and are family guys and love sitting around and talking with those guys. So Sean Casey, hands down, was probably my favorite person to to have a beer with. And still, every time we see each other and have a, a beer or two, man, we just just my my stomach hurts every single time I'm laughing so hard. Being a an Ohio guy, uh, what was your what was your reaction when Joe Burrow? Took time to mention his hometown and the need there during the Heisman speech. Yeah, that you know it's funny because as a Bengal fan, which oof, it's probably the hardest <laughs> thing ever in life. Um, <laughs> you know, I I, t- I try to tell my wife. You know, she did. She's like, man, I don't know if it's going to be the year. I'm like, babe, don't worry. Patriots are thirteen and three or fourteen and two. It's going to be all right. You know, and it's just so funny, like being you know watching the past for so long be so great. I'm like, you don't understand. I, I've seen the worst of the worst in football. So <laughs> trust me on this. They're going to be okay this year. Um, but, you know, I was I was all in on Chase Young as the first overall pick. And once I saw the speech from Joe Burrow, it, it changed my mind. And not just because it's an Ohio thing. It's just more his connection to blue-collar Southeast Ohio and, and just that philosophy and, and the things he was saying and how it – it, it was emotional and it meant so much to him. I could see within that a lot of the passion that I share, uh, a lot of the emotions that I share, and a guy that's going to work hard to be great. And I think that's it was really cool and special to see that. The thing that hurt the most was when he said he doesn't like Skyline Chili, and I read that and I was like, ooh, you know that 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 could cost you, you know, a couple fans here and there. They're going to try to convince you, but we'll we'll take his talent on the Bengals over uh, his his. You know, his dislike for Skyline. I'll get you out of here on a couple more. I'm I'm intrigued by this Astros thing. You know, I, as mm-hmm. a guy who played as hard as you played and wanted it as bad as you wanted it, what's your reaction to this scenario where the Astros were stealing signs? Yeah, it, it, you know, the thing too, you know, in reading and reading the thing from Major League Baseball. Um, yeah, if, if, if there was a camera being used and there was trash cans being hit, it, it's just unethical. Uh, there's many different ways you can steal signs. Um, we, you know, it's been done throughout baseball for a long time. Uh, I always say, if you don't change signs or you don't come up with another system, it's your fault. Uh, we did it with the Red Sox. I mean, there's plenty of teams. I mean, I had a guy once tell me, "Hey, stop it! I didn't see what you're doing," and I wasn't even stealing. I, I wasn't even giving signs. Uh, it was pretty funny. Uh, people get paranoid and all that, but and the reason they are paranoid is because things like this happen, and uh, it's not good for the game. It's it's not it's not morally right, and I'm glad Major League Baseball did something. But on the same end, 
I just don't know if the punishment really matches up to, you know, a big market team. Uh, the sanctions put in place for a small market team would have had a way bigger effect uh, than a than a large market team. So uh, we'll see. I mean, there might be more that comes out of this with other teams, but there's so many rumors going around and so many different things. I, I just think it's it's get, you know the conspiracy theories are starting to mount. Uh, but from what I've heard, it's, it, they weren't the only team. Uh, there was teams throughout baseball doing some shady stuff, and you know this is what happens with technology in a lot of ways. Uh, so the more technology that comes out and more things that happen, that you're going to have these instances happen. So hopefully they resolve it in some way and Major League Baseball finds a way to move on from this. What even are the rules there? I mean, what what are the unspoken rules or, or whatnot about stealing signs or tipping off your teammates type of thing? So the, the, the unwritten rules, like, so you'll see like first, so there, there's like first base coaches and third base coaches. So, this happened a lot more until like people picked up on it. But catchers that were more open and they would give the signs with one leg open farther, you'd see a first base coach or third base coach move down the line a little bit and they would try to pick up the sign and they might say first name or they might say last name. So first name might be, Hey, come on, Kevin, you know, it's like you know, that's fastball. And then you're like, hmm. Come on, you and then you know it's like and then from second base, you know, stand taller, stand lower. There's all kinds of stuff that happens. Um, and th- and that's okay. The, the first base, third base coaches, we get you know, you get that's why they make that box where they have to try to stay in. Um, that's where that kind of got implemented in some ways, uh, so you can't steal the signs. But the key is this: if a guy from second gets the signs and, and relates it to the hitter, it's on the defense and the pitcher and catcher. That's their fault. They got to switch up the signs. They got to figure it out. Um, and if they're not, then it's just been a part of the game for a long time. Pretty wild story, man. Uh, look, man, what a, what an absolute pleasure to get to spend some time with you. I appreciate it, all the insight, great stories. And if I'm ever out in Los Gatos, I'm coming to have a cold one with you, all right? Yeah, come on out. Maybe take on Stanford. You know, Stanford gets back up on the uh, you know top ten again. Come on out. You're about 25 minutes away from uh, uh, Cardinal Stadium, so – I love it, man. I appreciate you. Have an amazing day, and again, thank you for your time. Yeah, no problem. I have a good one. But I told you guys it was going to go down some unique paths. Uh, I mean, we went all over the reservation, didn't we? You went everywhere. I just can you imagine like you're a big deal, but if you're at family functions, you're not the famous person there. I mean, it's like, I mean, he he goes, yeah, he goes to the ranch out in Montana. And he's pitching baseballs to his nephew, which happens to be Tom Brady's son. And then he turns around and sees the Brady Bunch sprinting at him in full glory. So what's he do? Jumps in. That's got to be awesome. Then, it, like baseball now. Oh, let me just go into to brewery and coffee. Like, not only that, but how about the revelation that Tom Brady's a tequila guy? I was going to guess Casamigos, actually. That was going to be my my guess. Is Casamigos fancier than Don Julio? I'm not sure if it's fancier, but I just know I've got a buddy that that's his, that's his go-to. Uh, I mean... And I've heard I, that it's really good, so... Tom's going to... I expect a thank you letter from Brady when all that Casamigos shows up at the crib. We better get a bottle or two. Seriously. I'm I'm fully expecting a handwritten thank you letter with... A super bottle of silver, gold, Casamigos 
here at the here at the uh, casa. You know what he should do as a thank you? He should come on and announce what his decision is going to be on the podcast. I thought about asking Kevin about his perspective on Tom's future, but I didn't feel like that was fair. No, no, you you're right. I didn't feel like that. that was fair, so I didn't do it. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, Stugat- I'm looking at Stugatz. Stugatz, what if he's probably mad at you for not asking? I'm sure I'll take a lot of grief from him and the rest of our posse about it. That's okay. That's okay. I can handle grief. I'm good at it. All I got to do is look at the Twitter machine. I appreciate Kevin joining us, man. That was that was an amazing opportunity to learn from a guy who's done so much. And I'm telling you, next time I'm out in Los Gatos, next time I'm at Stanford, I'm going over there and having me one of those fancy beers he makes. Three, two. So, Travis, great job. Way to get another awesome guest. Travis does such an awesome job. And I want to say this real quick. I, I, I thank you guys for investing in us all the time. But we learned this week that we were one of the top 20 original sports podcasts as voted by Barrett Sports Media and its founder, Jason Barrett. And that meant so much to me. I can't describe to you what that meant to me because not only does it mean that the work that Travis and I are doing is resonant, but it also means that people in the industry, that's who voted on this, was executives and personalities within the industry, uh, are getting something out of what we're doing. I believe we were voted number Denny Hamlin. Yep, we were Denny Hamlin. That's right. I'll take it. I'm telling you, I'm serious about this. Travis sent me an internet link on Tuesday. I, I had just gotten to Rupp Arena to cover the Kentucky-Mississippi State basketball game. Look on my phone, and there's a an internet link that, that shows the list. And we're on this list with the who's who's, man. It's, it's uh, Bill Simmons, and it's our boy Pat McAfee, and it's like, it's uh, uh, what? Pardon my take. Who was number one? Oh, 30, 30, for, for, 30. 30 for thirty. Yeah, it's a pretty cool honor. I mean, it's what an amazing honor. So thank you guys so much for investing in what we're doing and subscribing, rating, and reviewing what we're doing. Uh, I'm just so humbled and grateful that these interviews. You guys find these interviews cool because we love doing them, and we're gonna keep doing them. So thank you for investing in that. It's it's just so much fun to get to have a platform like this, and you guys are the reason we do. And not just you guys, but also our sponsors. Our sponsors' investment in us, whether it's ZipRecruiter, who's there with us every single week. Thank you so much to Dan, Stu, Mike, everybody involved in the Levitard and Friends Podcast Network. As I said off the top, if you love randomness, make sure you check out Stu Potity. I need to be- He hadn't asked me back. I've only been on it once. What are we doing? We haven't had him on yet. That's a fair point. Maybe that's why I haven't been on his. Yeah. Um, check out Mina Kimes podcast. She has the daily every day. Check out Sarah Spain's. That's what she said podcast. Sarah's doing great work over there and we're just honored to be a part of it. Thank you so much to our law enforcement officials in our communities, keeping our community safe, police, fire, our first responders doing amazing work every day. And thank you so much to the United States military all over the world. Our men and women in uniform working so hard and sacrificing so that we can live in a free nation, the greatest nation, the United States of America. I'm so proud to be American. Appreciate y'all listening. That is Marty Smith's America, volume, the playmaker. We'll try to do better next time. Y'all have a great week.